Hey guys, what's happening? I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and let's recap week 13 in the Big 12 Conference. We are already done with the regular season. I, I don't know where it went, but it's over, and we have a lot to get into. Once again, we appreciate you joining us, whether it's on Facebook Live, on Periscope, on the podcast, on YouTube. We appreciate you having us on all of those platforms. And by the way, the podcast has done the best of all these. If you are listening to this on the podcast or if you want to catch it back on the podcast, please do leave a rating, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And if you send me a screenshot of your iTunes review to Pete Mundo, that's M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, I will get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. All you got to do is put your address in the email, and I'll get you a free koozie. So thanks for doing that, guys. All right, so the Big 12 is in a position here where it's Texas and Kansas. Texas and Oklahoma. Who am I kidding? For the Big 12 championship. We'll get to the Texas-Kansas game in a moment. But let's start things off with a big picture here. Oklahoma has a great chance of reaching the, uh, the college football playoff. I believe if they win... If they beat Texas, they should be in. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to have, let's say, Alabama-Georgia winner. Unless Alabama loses, then we could have a conversation here. But let's say Alabama wins. Notre Dame's in. Clemson beats a 7-5 and pit team. They're in. Then it comes down to Oklahoma if they win. Ohio State if they beat Northwestern. And then maybe if Georgia loses a close game, you can argue Georgia. But of all those teams... How you justify putting Ohio State in when it lost by 29 points, 29 points to Purdue, I don't see how you do it. It gets back to the Iowa conversation. When Iowa blew out Ohio State, was that last year or two years ago, by what, 30 points? Same conversation. Oklahoma can say we lost to the second-best team in our conference by a field goal on a neutral site location. That is a great argument for the Oklahoma Sooners. And they would have just won a conference championship game against a far better opponent than Ohio State. So spare me the Buckeye nonsense. I'm already seeing this all over social media, and it's driving me nuts. But let's get to the games themselves. Texas-Kansas on Friday. That was the first game of the schedule in the Big 12 this week. Um, Texas looked tired. Texas looked slow. Now, I know they just wanted to get out of there with a win. That's a big reason why I took Kansas in the points. I figured final game, senior day, Coach Beatty trying to end his career with a win, guys like Joe Deneen desperate to end their careers with a win. That's why I thought Kansas would cover the spread. They ended up doing that. If Texas plays like that against Oklahoma, forget it. They've got no shot. They are not going to beat OU for a second time this season playing like they did on Friday against uh, against the Kansas Jayhawks. There's no way that that's going to be the case. Uh, Sam Ellinger, the guy is just, he plays the game to get beat up. It's amazing to me that he is still standing upright sometimes because he plays so tough, he's so physical, and it takes a beating on him. It takes a serious beating on his body to play the game the way he does. And it's, it's starting to wear him down a little bit, I think. He finished 16 to 28 for uh, 154 yards. By the way, he threw two interceptions for the first time since week one. So that was something that should be a little bit concerning. I know Tech's done a very good job of um, 
of forcing turnovers this year, but that was something where you say to yourself, all right, that is, uh, that's not a good look because if Ellinger's being worn down down the stretch, it's not going to bode well for this weekend. Meantime, the night game, let's get into what happened in the Oklahoma-West Virginia game, the winner going on to play in the Big 12 championship game against Texas. There were some horrible calls against the Mountaineers. Robert Barnes should not have been in the game. He should have been ejected for targeting. That was clear as day, and there's just no debating that in my mind that Robert Barnes should have been tossed from that game for targeting. He wasn't even penalized for it. I mean, that's how bad it was. The refs, Curtis asking about the refs in the game. That's what I'm getting to right now, Curtis. Uh, The refs were bad. Uh, There was the Simmons block out of bounds, which, by the way, is not illegal. It's illegal to block somebody when they're already out of bounds, but you can block somebody if you start in bounds and continue out of bounds. That is not illegal, what Simmons was accused of doing for the Mountaineers. That being said, I am not going to pinpoint that loss for West Virginia on the officials. Will Greer got stripped twice, and it led to 14 points. That's not the official's fault. All right? That's not. Greer tried to do too much in a couple of those situations. He's got to know better as a senior leader, a captain at home in a game of this magnitude. He cannot try to do too much. He did it twice. That's on him. That's not the official's fault. And we also don't know. All right, let's say Simmons wasn't, um, you know, wasn't called for that push out of bounds penalty. It doesn't mean West Virginia wins the game doesn't. Do I think the officials had a bad night? Yeah. Am I going to say the officiating lost West Virginia the game? No, I'm not. I thought Dana Holgerson got out coached as well. Why you would call a timeout on fourth and five, assuming that Oklahoma is going to kick the ball and put it in Will Greer's hands with a couple minutes left at home when your defense has given up 56 points. I said it on the preview. I do previews for every game. I do it on the podcast, but I also do it on uh, YouTube. I do little two, three-minute previews for every Big 12 game. And I said Oklahoma's best defense was going to be its offense. And that's exactly what OU did on that fourth and five. And by Dana Holgerson calling a timeout, he allowed OU to think it over and draw up a play and go out there and get the first down. And that was a mistake on Dana Holgerson's part. He wasn't thinking clearly. He was thinking like this is every other team in America. Well, guess what? OU is not every other team in America. Their offense is not every other team in America. And to call that timeout and give OU the advantage because their offense is the best unit in the game out of the West Virginia defense, the West Virginia offense, and the OU defense, to give the best unit in this game, the OU offense, a timeout to think it over that was a mistake because I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that had Cliff, had um, Dana Holgerson not called that timeout on fourth and five, I'm not convinced that uh, Lincoln Riley would have went for it. But I think when Dana called that timeout, he brought his guys to the sidelines and he said, you know what? We're letting an offense win this game. I'm not putting my defense in a position to try to win this thing. And that was a right move. It was a wise move. And guess what else it was? It won on the game. So... You know, a tough night for West Virginia. I feel for them. I don't, you know, let's be honest. The Mountaineers now finished fourth place in the Big 12. If not this team, then when? You know, if not this team, then then who and when? It's it's disappointing because I thought that I predicted before the season the, the Big 12 title game would be Oklahoma and West Virginia. It didn't happen. It couldn't happen in this game. 
uh, with the way things shook out. So uh, West Virginia's going to find itself in a good bowl game, but this was the year for Dana Holgerson to get over that hump, to not just maybe win a Big 12 title, but at least get to the game, and he didn't get to the game. And that is disappointing. It's very disappointing when you think about it. So too bad for the Mountaineers. Uh, yes, they got screwed a couple of times uh, by, uh, by the officials, but to blame that game on the officiating crew, that's not fair. Nope, it's not. Not when, you're, not when your senior quarterback at home gets stripped twice, loses two fumbles, and then ends up that leading to 14 points. I can't do it. So for OU, uh, you know, they, they've got a shot. They've got a shot at the college football playoff. I think that they should be strongly considered if they beat Texas. I know the defense is not good. But my gosh, would you look at what Ohio State did to Michigan's top defense in the country on Saturday? Guess what OU's never done this season? Give up 62 points. Guess what Michigan did on Saturday? Give up 62 points. Spare me this Big Ten BS that we get all over the place from guys like ESPN's Joey Galloway to every other talking head on all these networks. I mean, they want to rave about Michigan's defense. Are you kidding me? It, it, that defense would give up 75 points to Oklahoma, and that only be in regulation. That wouldn't even need seven overtimes to get there. I get it. OU is not great on one side of the ball, but they have got to stop. The talking heads have got to stop with this. I don't know if they're, they're a complete enough team. Are you kidding me? Look around the country. Everyone had Michigan in the Final Four. They just gave up 62 to Ohio State who scored, what, 40 on TCU? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It is. So OU's got as good a shot uh, as anybody, I think, that's looking for that final spot. And we'll get into that more uh, this week on the podcast. By the way, we do this on Periscope. We're on Facebook Live. We'll put it on YouTube, and we'll put it on iTunes. Subscribe to the iTunes podcast. We do some stuff in the middle of the week. And um, you can only get that through our podcast. And if you review the podcast and rate it, screenshot it to me, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I will uh, get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Let's get to Saturday's games. Baylor Tech. Well, Cliff Kingsbury gets canned. I think that's a mistake. I think if you looked at this team this year, they lost every game in Big 12 play that they that they came up short in. Outside of the K-State game, they lost by single digits. They were in every game against Iowa State. They were in the game against Texas, in the game against Oklahoma. And, you know, last week was a disaster with Jet Duffy in Manhattan. This week you had a quarterback on one leg in McLean Carter. If Alan Bowman's healthy all season, this team is more than bowl eligible of probably win seven games. And for the first time in a long time, Tech had consistency with Kingsbury as the head coach, running the offense, with David Gibbs on defense, uh, finally guys figuring out his system, buying into it. And that defensive strategy is good enough to where if the offense is at the level that it should be under Cliff Kingsbury, it can win you or at least get you near the top of the Big 12 Conference. Oklahoma has proven such. You don't need a great defense in the Big 12 to win this conference. You don't need it. And the fact that Kirby Hokut is pulling the trigger on this thing with how this season went, you have to look at the big picture, how this season went. They were 5-2. and two. They lost five games down the stretch. I get it. That's not good. 
But the recruiting class, by the way, was very solid for Texas Tech. Their top two recruits this year in the class of 2019 are defensive ends. Then they got an offensive lineman, a quarterback, a wide receiver, a very balanced and quality class for Cliff Kingsbury. And to look at how the year went and these games and say that this is not the guy that deserves another couple of years. Why? So you can hire Seth Luttrell or some other young hotshot who, by the way, Seth Luttrell and Neil Brown are the same age as Cliff Kingsbury. To think you're getting the next young hotshot head coach, why not give the guy who's been here a few years, who's finally getting the hang of it, by the way. When you hired Cliff Kingsbury, he was 34 years old. He was a coordinator who had never been a head coach. There were growing pains that you had to deal with with that and that you signed up for with that when you're Texas Tech because you wanted one of your own. And yes, Kingsbury was not ready to be a head coach. I'll admit that. He wasn't ready at the time. But now, with where this program is, they are competitive with everybody else. Everybody else in this conference this year, despite the fact that it had a lot of injuries to deal with throughout the season. That, to me, is not somebody that's worthy of being fired. And there's a step back that every program takes when it comes to a coaching change. And who are you going to hire? I've heard the name Jim Levitt thrown out, the Oregon defensive coordinator, because that was Kirby Hocutt's uh, uh, position coach at Kansas State. Is that is Jim Levitt worth it? Is that the guy that is really going to just take Tech to the next level and make them win 9, 10 games a year? And by the way, I don't want to um, sour on this situation for Tech fans, but historically, this is a six, anywhere from a five to seven win team. I said that on Twitter last night and people lost their minds. Take out the Mike Leach anomaly, which is what it was. Texas Tech is a five to seven win program. That's what it is. It's not an easy place to win. Mike Leach made it look easy. And by the way, one of these young hotshots, young hotshots, I use that in quotation marks, if these guys win big, big for a couple of years, guess what? They're gone. They're not staying at Tech. Cliff Kingsbury wanted desperately to make this his dream job and his dream destination. I would have given them at least through next season based on how this year went down. Next year would have been a must-win year. You had to get to seven, eight wins next year. But with how this season went, I would have given Cliff Kingsbury the 2019 season. Kirby Hillcutt felt otherwise. He better make himself a hell of a hire. Uh, he better, better really knock it out of the park. And I'm not convinced he's going to do it. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Uh, maybe he's got someone up his sleeve that, you know, whether it's a Brent Venables, his college roommate, I don't think Brent Venables is going to Texas Tech. He's turned down better jobs, apparently. Uh, I don't see why he would suddenly jump at Tech, especially if Kansas State's looking for somebody to replace Bill Snyder. He would probably rather go to his alma mater. Maybe not. But it's not that simple. And some people seem to make it appear to be, and it's just not. But how about Baylor? You know, one year ago, I wrote this, and my buddy Donald Wright, he's a big Baylor guy, he shared this on Facebook yesterday. One year ago to the day, I wrote, the headline was, despite a 1-11 season, Baylor's future is bright. And it is. They got to 6-6 six and six this year. They're going to a bowl game. That's huge for a young team. That's enormous for what Matt Rule has done with this program. I think he's the Big 12 coach of the year, hands down. What he has turned this thing around in, in a couple of years has been beyond impressive. This program was decimated by transfers 
and people just leaving the program, not wanting to be a part of it. He has recruited well. He has coached well. He has built up a fantastic environment for this conference when it, or for this team and this program when it desperately needed it. And he's got them now back to bull eligibility one year after going 1-11. That is enormous for Matt Rule. That's enormous for this program. And Baylor's on its way back up in a positive direction, and he deserves an enormous amount of credit for that. Now, I also thought before the year that Charlie Brewer would end the season as the second-best quarterback in the Big 12. That is not the case. He's good. Uh, he's not the second-best quarterback in the conference. But... The way this team has slowly put it together over, over the season, they still got to get better on both lines. Um, I still think the defense is too leaky, not tough enough, but they came a long way. Do you think Matt Rule could be like Scott Drew? Uh, what do you mean by that one on Periscope? Just let me know what, what you mean by that. I mean, uh, Scott Drew is a good coach. I'm not sure what that reference is, but let me know. A lot of people chiming in on Facebook Live as well. Uh, Curtis, I'd like to see Holgerson bring in Kingsbury as the offensive coordinator, get a new defensive coordinator. Kingsbury is a quarterback whisperer. Totally agree. Now, it's not going to happen. Cliff Kingsbury is going to have a lot of opportunity. I mean, the fact that he how now has Pat Mahomes on his resume as well, uh, he's going to have a lot of opportunities. I don't see him going to Morgantown. I don't think he's going to stay in the Big 12, just my hunch. Maybe he does. I don't think he'll do it. Uh, I saw this from some ESPN writer saying that Mac Brown wants the North Carolina job because Larry Fedora was fired and he'd hire Cliff as his OC and Gene Chizik as his DC. Uh, you know, I could see Cliff going to the ACC and being an offensive coordinator. I could see that. I, I don't see him staying in the Big 12. I don't see him going to Morgantown. I do think that Jake Spavital has been in over his head the past couple of years, and I think Dana Holgerson in private would admit as much. But I don't see any way that Holgerson's going to uh, going to go to Morgantown. My top three quarterbacks in the conference, Greg. Uh, let's see. I would go off the top of my head. I go Greer, Murray, and after that, be a battle for three. Let me think. Not Thompson. Not Canada. Not Cornelius. I'd probably go Purdy. Probably would go Purdy, then Brewer. Gosh, I just I, Brock Purdy's been fantastic. He's been he's been that good. He's dual threat guy. He can do it with his feet. In and the maturity that he shows for a guy his age, that'd be my. Oh, you know what? I have to sew Ellinger in there too. I guess. All right, I'd probably go Greer, Murray, and then either Purdy or Ellinger, then Brewer at five. That would be my order there for top three quarterbacks in the conference. Um, let's go into what happened last night. Oklahoma TCU, that game was an abomination to watch. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that was a, It got good in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. But for the first half, that was a horrific game of football to watch. I, it was just, it was bad. It was really bad. Now, I predicted TCU would win. I'm going to take credit for this. By the way, my last week against the spread, I went 4 Oh, and one. I had a push in the OU game because I took the uh, Sooners minus three. But the other games, I took Kansas with the points. I took all the underdogs in the rest of the games. Kansas with the points against Texas. Kansas State with the points against Iowa State. And Baylor with the points against Tech. And TCU with the points against Oklahoma State. My thinking with the TCU game is that OU, Oklahoma State is as Jekyll and Hyde as anybody in the America this year. It's crazy watching that team. They beat 
they almost beat OU, they beat Texas, they beat West Virginia, and then they lose all these crappy games to bad teams. But TCU was motivated as they were trying to become bowl eligible. Gary Patterson coached his face off against Baylor and Oklahoma State. And Jalen Rager, next year, may be the most explosive player in the conference. And frankly, he might be the most underrated player at his position in America. And no one talks about him because TCU is having a down year. And last year he was a freshman. But I hope this guy gets a good quarterback next year. Whether it's Sean Robinson, whether Michael Collins steps up, whether it's the uh, Justin Rogers kid who redshirted this year, he needs a quarterback because this guy's the real deal. He's just that good. But uh, TCU becomes bowl eligible. Oklahoma State is just a really weird team this season. Mike Gundy's got to figure some things out there because to play the way they do and be as solid as they are against the best teams in the conference and be as bad as they are against the worst teams in the conference, that's a motivation issue for Mike Gundy. He's got a motivation problem with his team. You can't tell me they lose to OU by a point, they beat Texas and beat West Virginia, and then they're out there losing to K-State by 19 points and TCU, which has half the team, uh, injured. Dave been on Facebook Live, Big 12, 7 on 7 teams, never hang with SEC or Big 10 schools. Really, Dave, that's interesting. Never hang with the SEC schools? Yeah, like Ohio State gave up 62 or uh, scored 62 points on that vaunted Michigan defense yesterday, that top-ranked Michigan defense in America. 62 points, Daven? Really? Is that the road you're going down? Because uh, I didn't see much defense being played in that game. How about LSU A&M last night? What did they score? 146 points combined? You want to say it went to seven overtimes? That's fine. How about you get a couple stops in overtime? You get a couple field goals in overtime. They were trading touchdowns left and right. These mighty SEC defenses can't go out there, and they can't, um, they can't stop a guy, a team from scoring 25 yards out time after time after time. Spare me, okay? I'd love to see half these teams in the SEC and the Big Ten defend that Oklahoma offense. I'd love to see that. They can't do it. Guarantee it. Think Northwestern slowing down Kyler Murray? Think Michigan slowing down Kyler Murray? No, they dropped 70. On Michigan. Uh, sorry, pal. Uh, take that take that company line to ESPN, though. They'll love it. So would Fox. So would everybody else. But not here. Nope, 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 not here. Farmageddon. What a game last night that was between Kansas State and Iowa State. That was incredible stuff. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'll get to Josh's question here in a bit. But Farmageddon last night, it looked to me like shades of last year. K-State was down, what, 12 points last year? They come back, they win, some questionable calls down the stretch. Now you flip the script here. Iowa State's down 17 points. They score 21 unanswered. They beat K-State at home in Farmageddon. That game was thrilling. And Rose's pick six, whatever you want to call it, was just so good. And uh, that that cut it to a three-point game there in the fourth quarter. And then Iowa State comes down and scores again for the win. And it was just fun to watch. You know, the play calling was questionable on both sides. Maybe Iowa State got away with a pass interference call on that final drive for the Wildcats. But uh, Marchie Murdoch is not going to be complaining about that after last season. He liked one of our tweets on this whole thing. So Iowa State 7-4. and four. They have Drake this weekend. K-State not bowl eligible. Is that it for Bill Snyder? I don't know. I, did yesterday's game matter? Had he have won yesterday and became bowl eligible? Would that have mattered? I don't know. 
he made it sound like after the game, like he's still calling the shots and like he still got control over whether or not he retires. I don't know how true that is anymore. I don't know if that's the case. You know, he said, I got to go home. I got to think about it. He may just be saying that to save face, but I, I still don't think he's the guy that should be leading this program anymore. I know they got better throughout the year and something that was underrated about, or I guess under discussed about this team was the fact that they had two first year young, never done it before coordinators in Coleman and Siler. But, and in traditional Snyder fashion, they did get better. But this team is still depleted. There's not a lot of depth. They're losing a couple of key players. The recruiting, we know it's never good, but it's even less uh, less impressive than usual. So I would move on from Bill Snyder. Had a nice finish to the season. I would still move on from Bill Snyder. But that was a great game, and I'm thrilled to see uh, what Matt Campbell has in store. He's going to win next week against Drake. Then they'll have a bowl game. I mean, to think that Iowa State might wrap up the year at 9-4, and four, and frankly, if – Brock Purdy played in the TCU game. They're probably 10-3. and three. That could be crazy. Adam says Bill stays another year. Uh, it's possible, Adam. It, it's very possible. I could see it. I mean, there's a lot of good players coming back next year, too. A lot of young guys. But a lot of the offensive line, I believe, is leaving. So I'd be curious to see what that depth chart is on the offensive line because that offensive line was supposed to be the best in the Big 12 this year. It was not. Greg Wright's whole nation is trying to replicate Big 12 offenses. Yeah. I mean, half the NFL guys are going to Norman, Oklahoma to talk to uh, Lincoln Riley. Josh, what do you see in the next year for the Big 12? Who do you think will be the best? Do you think West Virginia will sink without Greer and Sills? Yeah, you know, West Virginia's got a bit of a problem because uh, Dana Holgerson has not done a good job getting quarterbacks out of high school that are any good. He stepped He stepped in you-know-what with Will Greer because Greer transferred out of Florida. I, I think that West Virginia's got going to you know have a major step back next season. Uh, what was the other question you had here? What do you see? right next year it looks like it's going to be I mean Texas is a year early. They're a year ahead of schedule. Uh, you could also argue that Iowa State will be back in the conversation. Uh, Baylor's going to continue to get better. Um, you know, I don't know what tech's going to be. Yeah, uh, Will write Cyclone Power. No doubt about it, William. Totally. Greg, whole nation is trying to replicate. We read that. Yeah. Uh, what do we have on Periscope here? Oklahoma loses to Texas. I don't see that. Not if Texas played like it did against – not if Texas played like it did against Kansas, that's for sure. Uh, what I meant about Scott Drew turning around Baylor due to off the field, Matt Rule's doing the same. Yeah, I love what Matt Rule's doing. I've been a big Matt Rule guy. You know, there are some people in the Baylor community that still have a ridiculously big heart on for our Bryles. That's got to end. Uh, you know what? That's got to end. I'm sorry. Matt Rule is the best thing to happen to this program in a very, very long time. Any final comments? Leave them on Periscope on Facebook Live. We're also putting this up on YouTube and iTunes, so please find the podcast as well. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. We really appreciate it. And once again, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Share this on social media. And if you review the podcast on iTunes, email me, Pete Mundo. Pete, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Just throw your address in there. So I appreciate that. Yeah, Aaron writes, definitely watch out for Baylor. No doubt about it. Keep an eye on those Bears. How will OU be next year? I mean, listen, OU reloads. 
I want to see if Lincoln Riley actually looks into an NFL job. It looks like the Cowboys will keep Jason Garrett because they've won a couple of games now in a row, and, and they're back in the mix for the NFC East because that division is so bad. But did the Browns make a push at Riley? I don't think he should take that job. I don't think it's a very good job. But uh, does he listen? Adam writes, Venables comes home to K-State. Uh, when's that going to be, Adam? You're the same guy that said that uh, Bill Snyder's staying another year. Uh, when is Venables going to come? Apparently Tech's going to give him a call because him and Kirby Hocutt were buddies and they roomed together in college. So we'll see. All right, guys, check out the podcast midweek. We don't do it on Facebook Live and Periscope. We only do it on iTunes. So check that out. And uh, we appreciate you joining us. Share the video and we'll talk to you soon.